Hello, Lime Ninjas. This is Lime Ninja Radio, where we help you navigate confidently through your own personal Lime journey. Everybody's journey is different, and a cookie-cutter approach just doesn't work for Lyme disease. You need ninja skills. I'm your host and acupuncturist, McKay Rippey, and this is episode number 111 with Dr. Heather Carden and Lime Ninja Betsy Walker. Also with us in the studio is our certified show producer and the brains behind Lime Ninja Radio, Aurora. Hello. In this episode, you will learn about exogenous ketones, what they are, how they can help you function better, and the Lime Ninja Keto Challenge. I'm so stoked about the Keto Challenge. I really believe a ketogenic diet is one of the keys to healing from Lyme disease. But getting your ketones up to a therapeutic level can be a challenge. And now scientists have figured out a way that we can hack your ketones. So stay tuned and we'll tell you all about it later in the podcast. Okay, Aurora, tell us a little bit more about today's guests. Dr. Heather Carden received her doctorate of chiropractic from Cleveland Chiropractic College in Kansas City in 1997. She and her husband first opened their first chiropractic office in her hometown of Paola, Kansas, and she's now currently practicing in Overland Park. Her patients benefit from her knowledge and expertise, drawing from her extensive training in diagnostic technology, applied kinesiology, acupuncture, and nutrition. Betsy Walker believes she got sick during a camping trip in 1996. She had typical flu-like symptoms, but these were attributed to her allergies time and time again. It took her three years to get properly diagnosed, and by that time, it had affected Lyme disease had affected her central nervous system as well. She attributes feeling back to normal to a ketogenic diet. Thank you, Aurora. And here's our interview with Dr. Carden and Betsy Walker. Hi, Dr. Carden and Betsy Walker. This is McKay Rippey from Lime Ninja Radio. Hello. Thank you for Hi, having Dr. Rippey. us on the call today. You're yes, welcome. Thank you. It's it's exciting and fun always to have two guests on. Dr. Carden, how let's back up a little bit. How'd you get into how long have you been practicing medicine? How'd you get into it? Why medicine? Um, I think even as a little girl, I knew I wanted to help people and I was going to be a doctor. So I was on the track to go to med school. I was also working in a pharmacy and saw people kept getting refills and getting prescriptions, you know, five by five by five and filling another prescription, another prescription, which kind of led to about my third year in undergrad saying, you know what, I want to look into the avenue of more of what the nervous system does or what the brain and what the tissue does. So it kind of guided me a path from going to the traditional medical school route to going to the school of, I went to, I'm sorry, I'm a chiropractic by, chiropractor by trade, also certified in acupuncture and applied kinesiology. I really felt that those were the focus that I wanted to focus on, not just giving people prescriptions to help get rid of the symptoms, but actually knew that the body had the innate ability to heal itself, giving the right circumstances. So I delved in pretty deep in school into anatomy and physiology and biochemistry and knew what food could do for our body and knew that this was a really 
um, an avenue that I felt comfortable with. So I started really early on looking at what food and nutrition did to our bodies, for our bodies, in a positive way and a negative way. So as I got out of out of school, I was already practicing a low-carb, high-fat diet. I had experience with a couple patients early on with cancer. I looked more into a ketogenic diet. I also had a patient early on with MS and looked really what the ketones can do for our body. So I've taught, I'll be practicing 20 years, I guess 19 years in March. So we've always practiced and taught a low-carb, high-fat diet and have used a ketogenic diet as an adjunct of therapy to help our patients further their health status. And it's been for a variety of patients, not always just for fat loss, but for improving immune systems, decrease in inflammation. So fast-forwarding um, a few years here, I had the great opportunity of being introduced to exogenous ketones. But early on, I knew I wanted to help people. I knew that I wanted to study more about the body and give the body the platform to heal itself. And you kind of snuck in there. You said we. Now, you practice with your husband. Am I right? (laughs) I do. do. I'm sorry. I am a mother of four, and I do practice with my husband. He focuses a little bit more on the nervous system and maybe a little more functional neurology, um, a little bit more the brain affecting the autonomic nervous system and how our body responds to different types of stresses. I focus a little bit more on the wellness component being um, blood analysis, hair analysis, food allergies, those type of things. A little bit more of the biochemistry, and he focuses a little bit more on the neuroscience of it. So together, I think we have an amazing amazing office where we can really help people meet where their physical conditions or health conditions are and then take them to the next step where they want to be. That's amazing and terrific. So I will probably always say we. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. I just wanted to sneak in there. I'd get a little plug for your husband too. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't say we practice in Overland, Overland Park, Kansas. I'm a Kansas-raised girl. So our um, office is called Cardin Center for Wellness. We have a lot of tools to help offer people to get their body to their optimal state of health. So, Dr. Carden, thank you, and I'm very excited that you brought along Betsy Walker so she can talk about her experience with Lyme disease and a ketogenic diet and exogenous ketones. So, Betsy, did I call you Betty? I th- no, you did not. You called me Betsy. You're, <laughs> oh, you were <good>. correct. <laughs> Hi, Betsy. So, when? Did, Hi. How long have you had Lyme disease? Okay, so um, in the spring of '96, I went on a camping trip. And um, that's when I believe I contracted Lyme. Um, I was uh, seriously ill when I got home, and I never felt well after that. Um, I had the typical Lyme symptoms of having flu-like uh, feelings all the time. And mm-hmm. um, I just kept hitting, you know, dead ends at different doctors. Um, I was told it was my allergies. It was my allergies. And so um, it took about three and a half years to get a diagnosis. I was diagnosed in 1999, um, August of 99. And um, it was by then late disseminated Lyme disease, um, central nervous system affected as well. So um, as having Lyme arthritis and just numerous other issues. So, um, Yeah, it's really rough, isn't it? Those first few years. Uh, oh, <laughs> it was extremely and rough. Beyond, um, yeah. yeah, and actually for years after that, because it took um, three different treatments to get to a place where I felt like I was somewhat normal again, as most normal as I could feel anyway as a Lyme patient with late disseminated disease. So so what did you, first of all, I'm always curious, where were you camping? What part of the country? Uh, Huntsville State Park in Texas. Okay, so it was in Texas itself, yeah. I'm always amazed. It was, and that was. Go ahead. 
I'm sorry, that was a little bit of an issue getting the diagnosis. Even though I had positive Western blot and a lot of clinical data, um, the uh, infectious disease doctor who saw me had a little bit of an issue treating because I had never left the state of Texas because some people just don't seem to believe that it's in different areas of the country where it actually is. So That's, you know, that's mind-blowing. Because here there's a test. I mean, and it's the Western blot. It's the the accurate part of the test. It's positive. It's on his desk. And he's still saying, nah, it can't be Lyme. It's got to be a false positive because we don't have Lyme in Texas, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Just mind-blowing. It just You just want to take those people and shake them a little bit. Wake up. <laughs> True. So after you finally got your diagnosis, what treatments did you try? Well, the first treatment was doxycycline for six weeks, and um, that was actually not good. <laughs> um, I felt worse than I did when I started it. Um, it seemed like I was having a severe onslaught, onslaught of um, reactions to it, um, mostly just worsened symptoms, I guess you could say, but it was very miserable. Um, I asked my doctor to send me to the infectious disease doctor, who's the one that didn't want to believe I had it. It took about... Uh, two months to get him convinced to give me IV therapy. And um, I only found out about the therapy through the Austin, Texas um, Lyme support group that I went online and kind of joined up with and started trying to find information on my own. Um, and then that was, I thought it was pretty healing, but I was left with a lot of other issues like vertigo. Um, I was falling down a lot. Um, prior to the IV therapy, I couldn't walk some days. It was pretty difficult, especially since I was teaching aerobics at the time. <laughs> so I would find myself getting up to go teach a class and I couldn't get out of bed. Oh so, my God. Um, yeah, it was pretty miserable. I couldn't feel my muscles work. Uh, there were a lot of issues and those kept on even after the IV therapy, um, not the walking so much, but I would fall. Um, I couldn't feel my muscles work. Um, I had, like I said, vertigo, um, just numerous issues. Hearing has, has actually kind of been something that it kind of stayed with me. Um, not that I couldn't hear, but the loud noises would bother me and actually pain me in my body. If that makes any sense, it would just makes send pain sense. through me. Yeah. Okay. And um, memory. Memory was a big thing for me. Um, concentration for a very long time, but memory was really difficult. Pulling out things that I knew were there, but I just couldn't access. Um, so that was an issue. Um, my third treatments were, I guess it was part of, let's see, 2004 January is when I started with that doctor. I had to wait till he was on the insurance. And I went through those treatments for 15 months, and it consisted of IM injections in my hips for eight months, and then seven more months of um, oral antibiotics, um, which was basically Zithromax and Flagyl, and I don't know if I can really say that, but that's what it was. And then I had a co-infection diagnosed finally, which uh, helped me get back into the gym, feel my muscles again, and be able to, you know, not be quite so off balance, that kind of thing. So um, I continued on that treatment, though, like I said, the entire 15 months, so eight months with the injections and seven with the additional antibiotics. And what was and, the co-infection? Um, I had Babesia, mm -hmm. and I actually did not get the test done, but my son, who is 15 now, um, I was actually pregnant with him between my second and third set of treatments, and he has been tested for Lyme because he has such severe eczema. I was starting to get desperate to figure out what was wrong with him because, I mean, there were days he wouldn't come out of his room. Um, last year in the summer, he, he spent a whole month in there and lost like eight pounds. He was constantly scratching and itching, and he got 
um, staff and not infection, but like a colonization, but he was miserable. And, um, anyway, so I was kind of desperate to find out what's going on with him and had a Lyme test done just in case for some reason it might have crossed the placenta to him when I was pregnant or maybe through breast milk or something like that. I knew that was a possibility. Mm-hmm. And he did not come back with Lyme disease, but he did have antigens to Babesia. So I kind of considered that my confirmation that that's exactly what I have is a colon infection, that my doctor was correct. He he based it off of symptoms. And the treatment he gave me was Mepron, which worked really, really well for me. So so when you finally got the Mepron, that was kind of one of the last things to bring you not healthy, but It closer, at least got right? me back. Right. It got me back to where I could feel my muscles work again. Um, I, he, the doctor also about that time put me on, um, a ketogenic diet, which helped tremendously. So between the two, um, I don't know if it was, I think the ketogenic diet was started right about, like right before I started the Mepron with the co-infection, um, because I was still complaining I couldn't go back to the gym. Well, if I did, it would take five to seven days to recover from one workout, um, which is, kind of hard to exercise when you can't go but once a week right. so um so uh he started the mepron and then he put me also on the ketogenic diet because um in his words um lime bacteria feeds on sugar so no grains um no sugars very tiny amounts of rice potato pasta and that was it he basically called it a modified atkins um, but when he told me it was a tablespoon of that, and that was it, <laughs> about two days of that, and I said, that's not even worth my time. <laughs> so I went strict ketogenic. <laughs> yeah, I went strict ketogenic, and it, it was to me, it was life-changing. I was back in the gym. I could go four or five days in a row without um, feeling exhausted. Um, I had a lot more energy. Um, it just changed a lot for me. Um, I lost like 18 pounds in three months. Um, it, so the weight that I was carrying from not being able to exercise, you know, um, it just fell off and it was, um, just that part in itself was life changing. And how about brain fog and Lyme brain? Well, you know, I had a lot of that brain fog got lifted with the first IV therapy, but I never really had the complete clearness that I have now since using exogenous ketones, that has cleared up to the point where I don't wake up some days with a clear brain and some days without. <laughs> now it's every day a clear brain. So. so so, let's talk about that real briefly and then Dr. Carden, I have some questions for you. So you're cruising along now. Things are pretty good. You're on this ketogenic diet and your life is back. And why why did you try exogenous ketones? Because I was, um, I at some point decided to go with a traditional um, nutritional, um, I guess, therapist, somebody to help me with my diet, thinking that I needed some kind of a change at some point <laughs> or that I needed to make sure I was doing things right because I had a couple things that I had concern with um, in like, you know, like mineral levels, things like that, vitamins in my body. So, um, I started seeing a nutritionist and she put me on what was basically another standard diet of, you know, the standard American diet. And I was a little concerned with bringing grains back in. And then she added, well, and at first the grains kind of didn't seem to bother me too much, but I wasn't losing any weight. I actually started kind of gaining weight. <laughs> and then she added a serving of fruit. Yeah, yeah, she added a serving of fruit, and that was 10 pounds in one month that I gained. Wow. She took the serving of fruit back out, and I lost that 10 pounds in a month. So 
Um, I was pretty well convinced then that I was doing the wrong thing and started doing some more research on my own and decided I needed to go back to at least what I was doing at the time. I went back to was a ketogenic, cyclic ketogenic diet where I took in some carbs about once a week, sometimes once every two weeks um, instead. But So it was basically ketogenic but with a little bit of carb cycling. Um, I still wasn't quite achieving some of the results I wanted. I wasn't feeling strong in the gym like I had before. And so... Um, about that time I had, um, it was December last year, I uh, was working with a trainer. I had started working with him late November, I guess, and um, it was mid-December when I walked in the gym and he was drinking something. It was white milky looking in a bottle. And I asked him what it was. <laughs> and he was like, oh, it's just something I'm drinking, I'm experimenting on myself with. And I said, but what is it called? <laughs> so he said it was exogenous ketones. And I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, you have exogenous ketones. Um, how come you haven't told me this? Because, you know, I'm on a ketogenic diet basically. And, you know, I would love to try this. So, um, he, um, hooked me up with a friend of his who had a sample. And, um, the very next morning I started that I did half of a pack. And then that afternoon I felt so good with it. I thought I would just go ahead and do the other half before my workout. And I just, I sailed to my workout and within, um, I guess, I don't know, by the end of the workout, actually, I decided I just really wanted this. So I said, can you help me get it? And he said, well, let me figure that out. He said, but I have a tub at home. I'll just bring you that for now. So that's what he did. And um, I started on it the next day. Um, it didn't take me long, maybe a couple of days before I decided I'm just doing a full scoop morning, full scoop in the afternoon, because that's kind of, you know, where I thought that I needed to be. Um, and it was, I don't know, maybe a week or two and my strength was increasing and then another week or two would go by and my strength would increase any, even more and just everything has come back online and my vision f seems clear. Like I don't, um, I don't have any bad vision days anymore ever. My brain is completely clear. Um, I was the noise issue that I was left with. Like if somebody even sneezed next to me, it would cause pain in my body. Um, that went away and it was kind of, um, interesting how I noticed it. I was just listening to the radio in the car on the way to work one day and I was like, why is my radio so loud? I never listen to it this loud. It always bothers my ears. <laughs> well, um, I started thinking, well, if I can listen to it that loud, you know, maybe I'll try it a little louder. And I did and it was fine. So each day I would start noticing I would listen to it a little louder, a little louder. And then I just realized that it just wasn't bothering me like it had before. Since then, I've even been to a concert and was up near the stage and it didn't bother me in the least. So people sneezing, it doesn't bother me anymore. <laughs> so um, it's been just a, a really nice change to feel more normal, like like there was more than what I even thought I could get to before. Yeah, that's incredible. Now, Dr. Carden, can you explain to us what's going on inside Betsy's body? Like why is she healing like that? Why is she feeling better? What are ketones or what are they doing for her? So I love that question. We actually have three ketones that our body can use. One's called beta-hydroxybutyrate. The other one's acetoacetate, and the other one's acetone. So on a true ketogenic diet, what she was experiencing is her body was really starving the carbohydrates out of her body, and then she was allowing her body to make endogenous ketones. Ketones are little signalers for our brain. They do a variety of things. The first thing that they do is they actually supply more oxygen to our bodies at a cellular level, 
we have the powerhouse of a cell called the mitochondria. So it actually gives 38% more oxygen to the cell, increases the ATP, but they also turn on brain neurotransmitters. So at the same time that it's giving more oxygen to the cell, which is a great thing we need when healing's happening, it's also helping balance out the brain neurotransmitters. When we talk about pain or inflammation, we talk about GABA, dopamine, epinephrine, norepinephrine, and all those are brain neurotransmitters. So ketones are known to dampen the excitatory neurons. So her sensitivity to noise and sound decreased. She was able to visualize better. A lot of that's just because ketones are turning on those enzymes inside our brain. I think we forget so many times that our brains are at least 60% fat and our brains dictate our entire nervous system. So with pain and inflammation, with Lyme's or, or any type of inflammation, we have to think, where's that signaling coming from? It's actually coming from the brain at a cellular level. So when she was able to use a ketogenic diet and get the carbohydrates out, which were actually increasing inflammation, she had a reduction in inflammation. You know, ketones are also muscle sparing, so she was having an increase of strength at the gym. Then when she added the exogenous ketones, her body didn't have to metabolize those. They go straight into her bloodstream, and they do a whole host of little things. Specifically, they taught, they stop an inflammation process called NLRP3 inflammasome, but it also increases and signals some protein that we need to help our immune system and also to reduce inflammation. So making it sound a bit more complicated what it is, but if you give your body what it needs, which is ketones, which are simply a byproduct of fat metabolism, they're very essential for our nervous system and at a cellular level. So I think, and Betsy has told me before, the longer she continues to take these oxygen ketones, the better and better everything seems to get. And she also has a great story about her son using the exogenous ketones. But just think what your body needs at a cellular level to help increase. It needs oxygen and it needs energy. And ketones provide both of those. That should be recorded. Good thing we are. That was an amazing explanation. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I didn't go into reverse oxide. I didn't go into and I would love to see this because we know what happens with interleukin 6 and 8 and also the tissue... Um, TNFR, the tissue necrosis factor, alpha is actually also turned on. So we see not only do we stop the inflammation process, we actually also help mediate the interleukin hormones, 18, 6, 8, 1, beta, 1, alpha. It's amazing what happens inside the body. And we have those cold research data now that was published actually last year in 2015. Yeah, one of the nice things about the Lyme community is Almost everybody who's had Lyme for a while has their PhD in either medicine yes. or biochemistry. So even though this is a little bit technical, I'm betting most of my audience can hang in there for this or at least are smart enough to know exactly what to look up and will understand the articles they read about it. So will you talk a little bit more about like what's what's the difference between being on a ketogenic diet and then adding in exogenous ketones? Because it's kind of a big deal now that you can get exogenous ketones because they were used in some research uh, not too long ago, but they're so expensive that you couldn't get them. You can't go down to GNC and pick yourself up a bag of exogenous ketones. It's a big deal that they're out there at all. It's a very big deal, and I've done nutraceuticals since I've practiced for 20 years, and I just can't believe my lifetime we actually made a pure therapeutic exogenous ketone that's palatable. The reason we have not been able to have an exogenous ketone, which means in a powder form we can put in our body, is because ketones are very, very acidic, and they're very hard to make them 
tolerable to our GI system and palatable at the same time. So the exogenous ketones we're talking about are not the ketone ester, but actually the ketone salt. So there's a lot of biochemistry that goes into making it palatable. We have to add a lot of sodium in there to help alkalize the acidity of the ketones. But you're right. We've studied ketones for 100 years. We've studied exogenous ketones for almost three decades. Dr. Karen Clark started the movement trying to get them palatable. We've since moved them to the U.S. and you know, worked really with our military defense department and some at the, at the government agency. But now we have one, and it took a lot of money and a lot of backing and a lot of biochemistry to put them into a laboratory to make them palatable and get the right ratio of the salts to put your body into a state of ketosis in less than 59 minutes. So that's amazing in itself. So if we talk about the difference of making endogenous ketones, and that happens on a true ketogenic diet or even on a starvation diet or an endurance runner can even make endogenous ketones, our body will take the fats that we eat and actually will turn those into ketones. But that takes sometimes weeks or months to days to get into. And like Betsy said, it can also be isolating when you're trying to have one tablespoon of rice, you're trying to count this and count that. And then if you're having a pain syndrome day or your sleep's off or your cortisol levels off, you're back out of ketosis. So exogenous ketones are not a substitute for the ketogenic diet because they're exogenous, but what they can do and what we've seen time and time again in laboratory that you can eat a low-carb, high-fat diet or a modest paleo diet or a grain-free diet and put the exogenous ketones in and still get all the benefits of ketones without putting yourself into a ketogenic diet, which is a very low-carb diet, less than 5% carbs. You're feeding your body about 80% fat, anywhere 10 to 15% protein. And it can be very taxing just trying to keep up with your macros. Now we know we can eat a clean diet, a whole food diet, low-carb, high, and healthy fats, and drink keto OS, or exogenous ketones, and see a rise in level in our ketones at a urine level and at a blood level and the breast level. Again, it used to take days to months to get into ketosis, and once she slipped out, Betsy fell off. She had two tablespoons of rice instead of one. It could take her three to five to seven days to get back into ketosis, and now she can do it simply by just drinking a white powder. Yeah, that's that's amazing. I know that I started a ketogenic diet uh, this summer, and as silly as the sound, I accidentally had a beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a long story, but it truly was an accident. So I, I drank this beer, I was just just not paying attention to what I anyway. I drank this beer, and it took me ten days to blow yep. red again in my keto sticks in the ketonic stick. So it really it knocked yep. me out. And the other thing that I want to bring up here, and then Betsy, I'm going to ask you about your son. Is okay is that the palatability is if that's a word is a big deal. I test almost everything on myself and my family, the poor, my poor family. And my youngest daughter turns her nose up on almost everything. She has a very sensitive taste bud. She should have been a chef or something like that. She even has a preference to what type of water she drinks because she'll drink some bottled waters and just turn them away and say, oh, this tastes terrible. Of course, the bottled water she likes is the expensive stuff. Luckily, she likes our water at home. <laughs> so when she's home, she'll drink our water. We have really nice well water. Anyway, so the palatability is a big deal. So, Betsy, that's why I want to ask you about with a 15-year-old son and you're trying to get him to do supplements. I know when I try to give people Chinese herbs or my liposomal herbs, you know, they have to kind of clothespin their nose and, and, and chug it down. How did you get your son <laughs> to drink these, A, and are they really that good, B? And then tell us a story about what happened once you began giving him uh, the, the ketones. Um, okay. Well, 
Um, he has actually become very open to trying things for his eczema because it has been so severe. And, I mean, he seriously didn't even want to take a shower anymore because it would burn his skin. Um, so I basically let him know that I thought it might help his skin and why. We talked about that. Um, I believe he's had some gut issues as well um, that may contribute to this. And so we talked about that. And then um, he went ahead and tried them. He was not a fan. <laughs> um, he originally tried the orange. Um, and the orange to me tastes fine, but to him it did not. So um, what I did instead was I, I um, added some orange flavoring drops to it. Um, and, and then I also tried the Gate. It's not Gatorade. It's Powerade. Powerade Zero. They have a red and a blue. And for some reason, he really liked the red in the orange ketones. So he would drink one of those, either the orange or the red in his uh, orange-flavored ketones. Um, I don't know why it changes the taste, but it changes it in some way that he really prefers it. So um, that's what I let him do because it helps him get the ketones into his body. And now that they've come out with the Maui Punch flavor, that one he really loves. He took a sip of that and turned around and said, what did you put in this one? I said, nothing. He said, really? <laughs> I said, nothing. <laughs> and he was he was just really happy with that. So he drinks it. He has no problem with it. He'll make one. He'll take it on the bus with him in the morning to school. Um, it's just really helped him tremendously. His skin is pretty clear. Uh, every now and then if he gets around an allergen, he might get a little scratchy and itchy. But for the most part, it's very clear. His face looks nice and smooth now and not all scratched up and no dry, patchy areas. And uh, he has no, like, scratching and bleeding going on. He sleeps through the night, so now he stays awake at school, <laughs> which is a big help. He's been doing much better this school year. Um, he has actually an auditory processing issue as well, so it kind of limits his abilities in school. So this has been a big thing for him to be able to focus and listen. He doesn't have the background noise issues bothering him so much like he normally does with auditory processing. And um, he's actually participating in class and getting his work done. So it's just been a, a total change in him. He's Even his mood, his mood is fantastic. Most teenagers go through those mood swings, and he was going through them, but now his mood is really leveled out, and he's just a fantastic kid to be around. <laughs> so. That's amazing. That's incredible. I had a bit of psoriasis starting when I was a teenager too, and nothing, nothing like your son went through. But it's it's just miserable. It's absolutely miserable. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, the first time that he got help was his eczema, where it cleared up some. He looked at me and said, "Maybe now people won't run from me," and I just yeah. wanted to cry. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, as a teenager, imagine still going through that and. People probably think, well, there's something wrong with him. I mean, maybe it's our modern-day leprosy for him. I don't know, but it's just, it's sad. <laughs> so, Yeah. Well, I'm glad you found him some help. And Dr. Carden, can you talk about ketones and gut health? Because I know the ketones can uh, nourish the gut quite well. They, the, the small intestine likes them. They absolutely do because what happens is, is we know that our gut needs to be at a pretty acidic basis anywhere, especially starting with our stomach. But I um, and also want to talk about the 3.0, which you put some inulin or chicory root in there, which helps those prebiotic turns in. But what we know, if we just look at the two fuel components we have, we have either ketones or we have glucose, which is a byproduct of carbohydrates and fat. So I'm sorry, carbohydrates and protein. So if we feed our body with glucose, we know that there's actually an inflammatory process that increases in the gut as it tries to absorb the macronutrients from the carbohydrates or the glucose. 
but the ketones do absolutely the opposite. They actually help decrease the inflammatory process and turn on the healthy protein synthesis within the, specifically the small intestine. But we also know the major function of the large intestine is to reabsorb water. So if we're giving our body a fuel source that has a higher oxygen component or capacity to it, that our large intestine is much, much happier as we get ready for absorption and evacuation. So it's not as clear-cut as, well, I guess it is. It's pretty clear-cut for me when we see what sugars feed inflammation and it just creates havoc on the gut. We know ketones make a happier environment for the good, healthy bacteria to feed on, and we don't let the sugar feed on the other bacteria that can get out of balance, like Betsy kind of talked about before. But we know that the ketones will help reduce that inflammatory-mediated response, which enhances our absorption, especially in the small intestine and the large intestine. Thanks for that explanation. I want to wrap up by first saying thank you to both of you. You've been very generous with your time. I really appreciate your willingness to share your stories and your knowledge about ketones and all the science behind it. And Dr. Carden, will you give us your websites for your practice so if people want to reach out and get some help with Lyme disease and ketones, they can contact you? Absolutely. It's www.cardinwellness.com. Um, I always give my email out so people can feel free to reach out to me. And that's Dr. Heather, Dr. Heather at cardinwellness.com. And I'm happy to help answer further questions. I'm happy to share some of the articles we talked about, about ketone bodies blocking inflammatory mediated responses and how it increases protein synthesis. So I definitely want to share that with you so your followers and listeners can um, can follow along with it as the clinical data comes available and it's coming available very, very quickly as we're getting more and more research projects done with using ketones, exogenous ketones specifically, and what it's doing for our overall health. Beautiful. And, we'll, and I want to say, okay. yeah, I just want to say a big thank you and let me shout out. I know that more people, um, more people suffer from chronic pain syndromes than people suffer from cancer and heart disease. So I know this is a very important conversation for many people out there suffering from chronic pain, not just Lyme's disease. So I want to thank you for allowing me to help share hopefully some helpful information, bringing some value to someone's daily life. I want to thank Betsy for saying yes to being on this call to help really educate people Yay, and let Betsy. them know that there are some other healthy, yeah, are healthy. There's other options out there and you just have to be super persistent because her story is one of success due to her persistence of just trying to be better. Yeah, absolutely. It takes a, a little bit of a warrior spirit. I call it a, a ninja spirit. And that's why I call people yes. I'm ninjas to, to fight their way through the, the thicket of misinformation and, and almost apathy that you will get from many doctors out there. So absolutely, Betsy, thank you. Thank you. It's a really informative interview. You know, when I learned a few months back that when you're sick with chronic Lyme disease, that your body literally isn't able to go into ketosis, um, I was, I was really worried that we weren't ever going to be able to reconcile that fact with the ketogenic diet that you've been advocating uh, almost since the beginning. So I was really excited to learn that you could take, that there is a way to take ketones as a supplement. Exogenous ketones. <laughs> That's our Scrabble word of the day. Use that yeah. X. Ten points, right? <laughs> <laughs> 
Words with friends, people. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. It's very exciting. If you remember back to episode number 102 with Dr. Adam Nally, he was the ketogenic yeah. expert and doctor out in Surprise, Arizona. He talked about that. And basically, anytime you're mm. under stress, your liver is going to dump out sugar into the bloodstream and that jacks up your insulin and it just cuts off ketosis because you stop burning fat and ketones and endogenous, so from inside, are a byproduct of when your body burns fat. So you need to burn fat to make ketones. But some really smart people have figured out that you can drink them. It's so cool. <laughs> so we've been doing this for two years now. We've been producing podcasts for two years now. And this is the first time we've really offered a product. It is. And I think it's a win-win. And... Well, maybe win, win, win. Anyway, <laughs> definitely a win, win. I really think ketones are going to help a good number of you out there. And I really encourage you to give them a try. Uh, take a look at a ketogenic diet. Take a look at adding exogenous ketones. If you can participate in the keto challenge, great. And that second win comes in. We are going to make a little bit of money off this. I want to be upfront with you. We're not completely charitable, although we love you very much. We've been running Lime Ninja Radio for two years and have been paying for it out of pocket. And it'd be nice if the podcast paid for itself instead of was a money-losing operation. So we're hoping that's the second win there. And then really the third win is that we really, truly want you to feel better out there. Hearing all these heart-wrenching stories so often and really all the inspiring stories too. Even people who've come so far, there's that last little bit. And I think ketones, either a ketogenic diet or repair the mitochondria with exogenous ketones is going to be a key for so many people feeling better. So that's why we're bringing you the keto challenge. So go ahead and check it out. LimeNinjaRadio.com. You'll see the splash screen. Go ahead and click on the button. It'll take you there to the information page. we got lots of great info on that page. And why ketogenic? Why have you made this challenge? Well, my fascination with the ketogenic diet is personal, and it's really helped with my health, uh, and particularly for me with weight control and my insulin resistance that I have, but it's also helped my brain function a lot better. And as I began to study more and more about a ketogenic diet as opposed to just a low-carb diet, you know, getting off the grains, getting off the sugars, that kind of thing, I mm -hmm. found that there is amazing research being done in the cancer world. And to listen to these doctors present their research the parallels between cancer and Lyme disease are eerie. They both seem to be metabolic diseases at heart that attack the mitochondria. And I think that's why there's so much brain fog, lack of focus, exhaustion, fibromyalgia type of symptoms. It's because the body's mitochondria, the powerhouses, are getting poisoned. And the ketones bring those back. That's the amazing thing. And that's why ketogenic. Yeah, I'm really excited to finally be able to be able to give something to people besides just the stories that we can provide. Uh, like you said, so many people ask, you know, isn't there something that you can tell us what to do? And finally, we do. You yes. Know? 
take the keto challenge. 21 <laughs> days. Exactly. Where you've created the keto challenge. See, I really believe that ketones can help heal so many of the chronic Lyme people out there. It's not going to kill off the Lyme, but it's going to help your body be stronger. It's going to help repair the damage done by A, all the antibiotics and B, the Lyme itself and all those co-infections. So the keto challenge, it's really got a couple parts to it. And one is 21 days of taking ketones, see whether or not you feel better. And how we're going to do that is we've adopted Dr. Horitz's Lyme survey. And you take this before and after and compare. Not only will you have just do you generally feel better or not with the ketones, and I think you will, but you'll be able to look back and say, okay, when I first took the survey at the beginning, my score was, let's say, 72, and then at the end of it, it was 35. You know, things have definitely gotten better. So that's the keto challenge. And to learn more about it, just go over to the website, the Lime Ninja Radio w- website, which is LimeNinjaRadio.com, and you will get a flash page there that shows up and just click on the link. It'll take you to the page that explains all about it. And we'll continue to be talking about this keto challenge as time goes on. We're going to encourage you to participate if you can and see if ketones don't help you. And we want to do some preliminary data gathering to do a little bit of a paper to get a, a study going on, although it's not rigorous science at this point, to see if this is something that really we can't pursue. There seem Mm -hmm. to be so many anecdotal stories out there about ketones helping people. And once we begin to gather the data in a little bit of a systematic way, then we can move on to the next steps where we're actually testing some of this for Lyme disease, just like they're doing for the cancer people there. It's just incredible research, and we've got to be part of this. So go ahead, go on over to our website, LimeNinjaRadio.com. You'll see the splash screen. Click on the button that'll take you to the Keto Challenge page. Have a look around. There have linked some studies there. There's a video there on how exactly to order the kind I want. I want you to get the Chocolate Swirl 3.0. Sounds delicious. It actually is. <laughs> and last, as you longtime Lime Ninjas know, this podcast would not be complete unless we left you with the Lime Ninja fact of the day. Did you know gum won't stick to a ninja's shoe? Lime Ninja Radio is a purely public broadcast and is not intended to be personalized medical advice for any individual's specific situation. Each individual's medical situation is unique and Lime Ninja Radio should not be relied upon and or considered as personalized medical advice. Lime Ninja Radio is not licensed to render medical advice and should be considered simply the public opinion of Lime Ninja Radio and its guests. Recommendations on specific treatment options are not intended to address any listener's particular medical situation. As always, contact your physician before considering any new treatment.